0: Hey there, this is Clay with modernlove.life, where we help you get the great loving relationship that you want without having to play mind games, without having to play hard to get, without having to pretend to be someone or something that you are not. Because I believe that you deserve to be loved for who you are. And if you believe the same thing, give me a thumbs up and subscribe to this channel. Make sure you hit that bell icon next to the subscribe button so that you can get notified next time we go live. Um, Also, since we're going to be talking about emotional unavailability uh, in this video, I wanted to let you know that you might want to check out our class called uh, How to Upgrade Your Love Operating System. You can find out more about that over on uh, modernlove.life slash class, and it'll tell you more about how you can kind of work on your own mindset so that you can avoid emotionally unavailable relationships and automatically attract the right kind of person for you. So um, we've been talking about emotional unavailability for the past uh, couple videos, and I want to address a kind of tangent of that today, which is why is there so much emotional unavailability today in dating, in relationships, in the world? And um, there is a reason for this, my personal belief anyway. Um, and that is that as a society, as a culture, there are a lot of things happening that are really setting us up to have and experience a lot of, less emotional availability in our love lives, in our relationships, in our lives in general. Um, The first of which is the smartphone. Um, Smartphones are great, they're cool, they allow us to keep in touch with people in a lot of amazing and wonderful ways. But being able to have this futuristic device that we carry with us pretty much everywhere in our pocket has allowed us to also not interact with the present moment as much as maybe we used to you know even just 10 or 15 years ago people had to experience things like boredom on a regular basis they had to you know even just experience minor inconvenience of, of boredom like if they're just waiting for a bus or if they're um you know walking somewhere for they just show up at work earlier they show up at a place early uh, you know they'd have to do things like make small talk with one another, or uh, you know read a newspaper, or you know whatever it might be. They couldn't just pick up their phone and whatever. Instead, now people are just turning towards their phone instead of towards the present moment. So people are basically saying no to the present moment, and they're choosing to jump into the phone zone, as you might call it. Um, we we did talk about this a couple weeks ago on the video on. Um, why dating is so hard these days. I'll go ahead and put a link up to that over there. But uh, this whole smartphone issue is spilling over into our dating life and into our love life because people are not really engaging with one another on a human to human level as much as they used to. Instead, when we're not engaged in the present moment, we tend to view other people as more of a means to an end to get something that we want, whether that's validation, such as, you know, hey, this attractive person is giving me attention. That means that I'm suddenly cool or whatever, right? And so, um, as we start to disengage from the present moment, we, we, we have a much harder time with dating and relationships because we're not connecting on an emotional level. We're stuck in our head. We're stuck in our mind uh, trying to make meaning out of things that happen. And I mean, like, how often have you been like, oh, why isn't that person texted me back? What does that mean, right? Whereas how many of you would have thought that 10 or 15 years ago if you called somebody and left them a voice message um, and they didn't Call you back, you know within a within a couple hours, right? You probably wouldn't think anything of it You'd be like, oh, they'll get back to me whenever, right? But now if you text somebody You kind of have like a mild panic attack if they don't text you back within like five or ten or fifteen minutes And so it's really changing our expectations for how we behave and interact with the world around us Um, additionally to the smartphone issue We have dating apps that come on our smartphone, right? Things like Tinder and Bumble and all that stuff. And these can be cool, but they also um, have some drawbacks as well too. Now, you know, don't get me wrong, online dating can be a great thing. It can bring a lot of people together. I actually met my wife on Match.com way back in 2008. But uh, the, the dating apps are kind of going a little bit too far because because it's great that they're giving people access to choice it's great giving people access to um you know people that they might not have been able to find otherwise i think that's great and wonderful but at the same time there's also an issue uh it's it's called the paradox of choice right now um there was a university experiment um i can't remember exactly where it was done but but they, they were basically testing to see the effects that people had when they were given a lot of choice versus maybe, you know, a, a smaller amount of choice. And the, what they did was they set up a, a jam experiment. They went to like a supermarket or something, and they had uh, different flavors of jams. And they were giving out free samples and seeing how many people would go and actually buy the jam. And um, they found that they had two different... Uh, Groups. One group got six different flavors of jam, which, you know, seemed like a lot to me at least. Uh, And the other group got 24 different flavors of jam to choose from, uh, which is definitely a whole lot. Um, And they found that the six, the people that had six different flavors to choose from actually ended up buying more jam than the people that had 24 flavors of jam to choose from from the free samples. Meaning that the people who had more choice Ended up actually committing to something less often. And of course, this really spills over into more than just jam. This also spills over into our dating and uh, relationship habits. You know, when you have this device in your pocket that you have an app on that gives you access to potentially an unlimited number of dating prospects, um, it can be very hard to actually pick the one person that you want to date to pick somebody that you want to actually be in a relationship with to pick somebody that you want to commit to because you're always wondering what if there's a better person just around the corner? What if there's a better person just to swipe away? What if there's, I mean like I've even heard stories of people who are like literally on a date and like the other person's in the bathroom or something like that. And they take out and they start like swiping around and like looking for somebody else who might be better, who might be near them right now. And it's, it's a little bit weird to put it plainly. Um, and I can totally see how this is causing people to be much less available emotionally. Because if you're not able to actually look beneath the initial impression that you get from somebody, if you're not able to see past maybe their hairstyle, maybe how they're dressed, maybe the initial jokes or statements that they say or something like that, to actually get to know them, to get to know them more on a personality level and instead, you know, because you're using your phone all the time, you're seeing them as a means to an end, you're seeing them as a source of validation, you're seeing them as an attractive person that you can, you know, take a selfie with and post it on social media so that your ex is jealous, so that your friends think that you're cool, so that um, all this stuff, right? It's causing us to be less emotionally available. And as we are less emotionally available because we're not willing to invest the time and energy into having a meaningful connection with an individual it's causing us to go for breadth rather than depth in our interactions. And that's fine. If what you want is breadth, that's fine. If what you want is to date like a hundred people or something like that. But if what you really want, is a deep emotional connection, you're not going to get that by only going one inch deep with a whole bunch of people and then giving up when things are less than perfect, when things get hard. Because we're all human beings and we're all, you know, if we're going to have a relationship with anybody, it's going to have some degree of difficulty with it. It's going to have some degree of challenge in it. It's not always going to be easy and problem free. And if you give up when you start to hit that first amount of friction, then you're not gonna get very deep with a lot of people. Um, You know, I've been with my wife for over 10 years now, and you know, it's not always been easy. I mean, I think we have a great marriage, I think we have a great relationship, but there have definitely been times when things haven't been easy. And if we would have given up when things got hard, Then we would have never gotten to where we are right now we would have never had the kind of connection that we have right now we would have never had the opportunity to even you know have our daughter if we hadn't been able to push past that hard work push past that frustration push past those difficult times when things weren't easy when things weren't problem free when things weren't frictionless because the idea of an easy, problem-free, frictionless relationship is nothing more than a fantasy. No matter who you're with, no matter who you date, no matter who you're married to, no matter who you're in a relationship with, you will have problems, you will have conflicts, you will have disagreements. And if you want to keep a long-term relationship, you have to know how to dig in when that happens. You have to know that, hey, we're committed to this and we're not just gonna give up and, you know, hope that something better, something more perfect, something easier is just a swipe away. Um, and, you know, as we keep becoming more and more emotionally unavailable, I think, I think that it's going to lead us to some really dark places, honestly speaking. Um, You know, I mean, obviously it's pretty well known that Japan is having a population crisis where there just aren't enough new Japanese people to replace the aging ones. And like, obviously that's having a weight on the economy as there's like older people who need support and assisted living facilities and all of that. And, you know, uh, whatever their equivalent of social security is in Japan, um, you know, if if there's less people in the next generation down working then how are you going to be able to support those older people? I mean, it, it, there's just like a cascading range of problems that could easily come here to the United States or to you know other English-speaking uh, uh, cultures and societies and other you know Western cultures and societies as well too. And so I think that if we continue down this road, I think there's really a lot of danger ahead of us. Um, and so I mean, obviously you as an individual maybe having issues connecting and having a relationship, but what does that spell down the road? What does that spell for us as a society? What does that spell for us as a collective community? I mean, I don't know, but these are some of the big picture questions that, that flit through my brain every now and then. Um, So like, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do as a person who maybe does want connection? What are you supposed to do as a person who does want a relationship? What are you supposed to do as somebody who's going against the grain with all of these smartphone zombies, all of these people in the phone zone, all of these people, uh, you know, not willing to give you more than just a passive, passing look, Um, and if they don't see utter perfection in you, they're willing to, you know, keep looking for someone else, something else and all of that stuff. What are you supposed to do if you actually want to have a great relationship? Um, You know, I was kind of lucky. I got out of the whole dating world like right before things started to get really, really, really bad. Um, You know, my wife was obviously the last woman that I dated and I met her in 2008. Um, But this is what I'd recommend. Number one deprioritize texting as your means of communication. I know that a lot of times people will rush to texting, people will want to text, people send me questions often um, like what do I do when somebody doesn't text me back? What do I do if I texted them this? What do I do if they text them if they text me this? What do I all of these like questions of texting. And at first I was like why don't you call them? But then I started to understand that people were doing this, number one, because everyone else is doing it, but also number two, because texting seems like an easier way of communication. You know, you don't have to put yourself out there. You don't have to go through the uncertainty of picking up the phone and calling somebody, you know, like we used to do back in in, uh, our youth, right? Instead, you can just text them and you don't have to actually deal with the fear, the anxiety and all of that stuff. It's just like, you know, some like mindless text, like, hey, what's up, right? Um, But the sad truth is that if you're not putting a whole lot of yourself out there, then you're probably not going to get a whole lot of yourself back. Um, Plus, texting is also just not a very good means of communication in general for many reasons. Number Number one being that um, it's really easy to misread a text. It's really easy to misinterpret what somebody's saying because you can't hear the tone of their voice, you can't see their facial expressions. You just get the words, right? And like when I was a when I was a young boy, um, I went to the public library once and I uh, got this book on how to draw uh, comics because you know I was kind of good at drawing and that's what I wanted to like do back then when I was. Young, Um, and so I remember one of the lessons was like the the context is important besides just the words. And there was like this this series of different panels, and each one of them had a character saying the exact same words. It was something like, "Who do you think you are, right?" Um, And and like one of them was like a powerful wizard, like "Who do you think you are?" And the other one was like this like timid little person, like. Who do you think you are? And another one was like this uh, you know, seductive woman, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna do it because it's just gonna be awful if I do it. Uh, one, one was like a robot, and you know, each one carried a different emotional tone and message because the context was different, but through simply texting, you don't get that. You do not communicate that, and it becomes increasingly harder Uh, for people to really understand exactly what you're saying, what your intentions are, what your mood is, what exactly you're trying to communicate, and there's a much higher possibility for you to be misunderstood when you're texting. Um, Second of all, (laughs) a lot of people just don't have very good grammar and good spelling. And I'm going to be honest with you, if you text somebody and you have really lousy grammar and you have a lot of horrible spelling mistakes that will leave an impression and it will probably not be a very good one so you know people expect perfection when it comes to your grammar and spelling and when you uh maybe make a mistake it's going to leave a bad impression so there's like zero upside you know you're just gonna be like okay yeah you're you're like a regular person who knows how to spell words and there's like a big downside which is like oh hey you are, are like got fat fingers and you're typing the wrong things. And, and like, is that really the kind of, you know, people start to say, oh, if you, if you make these grammar mistakes, are you like not intelligent? If you make these spelling mistakes, do you not know these things? And so um, it's a very unforgiving medium. And additionally, we expect texting, like texting is just so full of, of like mind games, right? People play all kinds of mind games with texting. Either intentionally or unintentionally, you know, somebody texts you. You don't want to. You don't want to seem uh, too available, so you wait to text them back. You wait uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Sometimes like, I've even seen people that do like this, like text math, where it's like, oh, if it took them five minutes to text me back. Then I'm going to take 10 minutes to text them back. And then they're going to be like, oh, well, now I'm going to take 20 minutes to text them back. Well, now I'm going to take 40 minutes. And then it just becomes like this weird dynamic where it's not really about the connection, but it's about trying not to seem too available, which, of course, takes you out of the present moment, which, of course, means you're emotionally unavailable, which, you know, all of that stuff, right? So deprioritize texting. Uh, the second thing is to deprioritize dating apps. Not only is it going to help you become more emotionally available yourself as you stop searching for perfection, but you're also going to be dealing with less people who are trying to find the perfect partner out there. You know, people who have maybe gone a little bit emotionally numb. If you are going to use a dating app, I suggest trying to filter for people that are new to the app. That way, they haven't uh, you know been on for so long that they have become jaded and cynical and emotionally unavailable, like you know all the longtime people. Um, that's actually how I found my wife, uh, interestingly enough. I just ca- kind of got tired of seeing, like, the same faces every time I logged into Match.com. And so um, I just decided to sort by who's new. And, like, there she was. She had a great smile, messaged her. And I, w- I was literally the first person she met on the website. And, um, yeah, I got her off there. And we've been married since, since well, not since then. I mean, we dated for a while. And then we got married. But we've been together since then. Um, and so then, then, you know, spend less time on dating apps or if you really need to be on one filter by new members. And so if you're not on dating apps, then what do you do? This brings us to point three, which is to choose inconvenient ways of meeting people, right? Obviously dating apps are popular because they're convenient. You know, you can just be sitting around doing whatever and like say, oh, like, uh, is there somebody with these characteristics And me? Oh, look, there is, okay, I'm gonna send them a, a wink don't ever do that. actually send them a real message. Um, Or or I'm going to write them a quick little message or something like that to see if they're going to want to meet up with me or something like that. And it's convenient. I get it. But you're going to be interacting with more likely, more often than not, emotionally unavailable people. So interact with people and meet people in in inconvenient ways. What does this mean? This means meet people through your social networks, not Facebook as the social network, but your actual real social networks, your circle of friends. Maybe your coworkers. Maybe you know friends of people that that you know. Don't actually date your coworkers, but date friends of coworkers or something like that. You know, I mean, things just get awkward if you actually date your coworkers. Um, but uh, uh, you know, meet people through social networks. Meet people by doing activities. You know, what are you into? Are you, uh, you know, interested in taking art classes? Take an art class. Maybe you'll meet somebody there. Are you interested in learning how to dance? Take a dance class. Maybe you'll meet somebody there. Are you interested in reading books? Join a book club. Maybe you'll meet somebody there. I mean, there's all kinds of things out there. If you just go to meetup.com, look around and see what's going on there, and, uh, you know, Try to go out there and meet people in real life. You'll actually have a much better interaction. You'll actually be able to form a much more meaningful, emotional connection, and you won't have to deal with all these people that are not willing to give you a second chance, that are very unforgiving through your grammar, through, uh, through all of these things, right? And of course, you can always just ask out an attractive stranger that you happen to see, right? You can do it the old-fashioned way. Muster up the courage, risk rejection, go up and say, hi, how are you? My name is Clay. You looked interesting. Tell me more about you, right? You can just do something as simple as that. And, um, you know, yeah, you might be rejected sometimes. Yeah. Things may not go smoothly. Yes. You may not be able to predict how things are going to go, but that's the beauty of in-person real life interactions is that they force you and they force the other person to reveal your true character by how you respond in the moment. And, uh, yeah, It's worked pretty well for a lot of people for a very long time and I don't see any reason why just uh, meeting people in real life would stop working now. So anyway, um, that's why there's so much emotional unavailability that I'm seeing in the world these days. That's what I think you might be able to do to avoid emotionally unavailable people to some degree or other uh, in this less than ideal environment. And with that being said, if you like what we're doing here, please give me a thumbs up please go ahead and subscribe to the channel and please go ahead and hit that bell icon. And of course, please check out our free class over at modernlove.life slash class. Okay. We've got a few minutes here for questions. What are folks talking about? Helen says, hello, happy to see you. Nice to see you again, Helen. I think it's been a couple days since I've seen you show up on the live stream. Nice to see you again. Um, this is true clay. I miss the pre smartphone days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know for for better or worse they're here to stay um, you know barring some sort of like apocalyptic event or something like that which probably isn't going to happen um, so we might as well learn how to find people that are actually going to be much more likely to be receptive to us I mean like you know it, it's like like one of my mentors used to say uh, he he coached a lot of women on um, how to get guys to commit to them and and he used to say to to the women that he would coach he used to say you know you can't find a Gucci bag at Walmart no matter how hard you look and with what he was trying to say is that the context in which you're looking for a relationship or a partner really matters you know if you're looking around for a high quality person at the equivalent of Kmart it's, it's not going to happen. You know, if you want a Gucci bag, you have to go to the Gucci store. That's where you're much more likely to find it than, uh, you know, at Kmart. So when it comes to dating, if you want a high quality connection, don't look in places where low quality connections happen, like strip clubs, like Tinder, like online dating, like, uh, you know, all that stuff. Or if you do want it, you know, know how to do it in a smart way, like what I did when I uh, met my wife as a, as a new user, rather than waiting several months for her to become jaded and cynical or something like that. Um, but yeah, you know, smartphones are, as far as I can tell, here to stay. And uh, we just have to be smart about how we navigate through the world of smartphones. Uh, let's see, what else we got here? Happy Wednesday. Happy Monday. Um, Wait, I thought your wife was your high school sweetheart. What was the whole... Yeah, so, um, yeah, actually, uh, my high school sweetheart was my, you know, big ex that I talk about often. Uh, We met when I was 16, and we were together, more or less, until I was 23. Um, We broke up and got back together a couple times. That's how I really learned a whole lot about all this breakup stuff. Um, Eventually... I realized that uh, we, you know, even if we were together, we, we wouldn't really be happy because we had different values. We wanted different things out of life. Um, and so in order for one of us to be happy, the other one would have to be miserable. And that just wasn't a great dynamic for either of us. So we just decided to part ways. And uh, that's when I learned that I had to kind of figure out a lot of this dating stuff myself, you know, as somebody who... Whose only dating experience was in high school. As a adult in the real world, I had to learn a lot of things myself, like how to talk to people, how to actually attract people, how to uh, ask people out, how to do all of that stuff. Um, and then, about after two years or so of that, I met my wife after moving to Arizona, and I didn't really know anybody there. And I was going there for grad school, and uh, I mean grad school is like way different than undergrad. So like you know. I wasn't meeting a whole lot of people outside of my program, and it didn't seem like a very smart idea to date people in my academic program because things might not work out, and then you got a whole awkward situation there. So I went on uh, Match.com and uh, learned how to do online dating and met her in 2008, and we've been together since then. So that's the story of how I met my wife. Um, Okay, guys, uh, yeah, I think we can do, like, one more question. I'm trying to keep this under 30 minutes because I don't want these to become incredibly long here um terry says my ex hasn't wanted to talk after being head over heels after dating a new guy for two weeks not even divorced yet um yeah terry so i think i've seen your other messages and uh my my main advice to you if i if i'm remembering your uh situation correctly which is that your wife is like wanting you to sign the divorce papers like currently right now. Um, it's to really make the distinction between your marriage as a legal entity and the connection that you have with your wife because they're not the same thing, right? And so just know that if you're going to save the emotional connection that you have with her, you may have to let go of the marriage as the legal entity. When it comes to a lot of married people that I see that I work with. Oftentimes, they try whatever they can do to stop the divorce, to save the legal entity. And what happens is that uh, they completely trash the emotional connection. And um, that, that makes things like incredibly difficult to, to salvage you know sure they have this nice legal entity of a marriage but there's no emotional connection and their spouse hates their guts in which case it's like okay you should have probably gone the other way and went for the emotional connection and let the whole legal entity do whatever it's gonna do because as long as the emotional connection is there then you actually have what you want and you know if you end up getting like legally divorced you can always get married again or you can always you know Have a great relationship or whatever it might be, but uh, just know the the difference between the two and know which one you're fighting for. Um, I think I can maybe do one super quick question next. Let's see if we got a super quick question. Um, Is there a balance between online dating and face-to-face interaction? I'm a bit old school and trying to figure out the whole thing. Um, Yeah, so. First of all, if you're going to do online dating, the goal should be to get to a face-to-face meetup as quickly as possible, okay? You don't want to sit around, like, texting, messaging, emailing, whatever, uh, back and forth indefinitely. You want to just get to the point where both of you feel comfortable meeting each other, ideally in a public place like a coffee shop or something like that, where, where, you know, you can say, okay, like weird serial killer or something. I feel comfortable meeting you at Starbucks. I'm all that stuff, right? Um, But the goal is to meet in person. The goal is not to just sit around texting back and forth for a million years. Um, You want to meet in person and you want to, you know, I would recommend that like the majority of your dating be put towards like face-to-face meetups, like actually meeting people in person. Um, You don't want online dating to become a substitute for actually putting yourself out there, actually having the courage to act in the face of anxiety and insecurity and all of that stuff. So I would recommend that you, I don't know, maybe do online dating 10 to 25% of the time, and then face to face dating, uh, you know, the bulk of the time. That way you actually get accustomed to interacting with people in the flesh, as opposed to um, through a screen. So that's what I'd recommend when it comes to all that stuff. Uh, But, I mean, don't worry. Online dating is a part of our culture, by and large, but it should not be the only means by which you are dating if you want to have a successful dating life. Okay, guys, so I'm going to wrap this up right as we hit 30 minutes here, but thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, if you like what we're doing, give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, uh, and be sure to check out modernlove.life slash class. That being said, take care. I will talk to you guys tomorrow.